two songs in a row, and like normally it's one, and then we can sit back down. So at least it was a good reminder for us. Can you imagine what the singing is going to be like in heaven? I mean, one, I think our voices might be a little bit different. I'm I'm hopeful. <laughs> Said there'll be no no tears in heaven, so I'm thinking our voices will be a little bit different. But then just think all of the all of distractions will be removed too. So. Many times as you're singing, it's easy to have other things come to mind, right? Where you're like, oh man, I forgot to do this, or something else is is clouding our our mind. But we will be focused solely on on our Savior and and filled with His praise, and it's going to be be amazing, let alone you you think about every every tribe and tongue. Um, It's going to create quite the... Quite the uh, concert up in heaven. Uh, James chapter 1, in continuation of our uh, series on suffering, and next week we will be obviously turning to uh, a new series of looking at the, the minor prophets and focusing that on Sunday mornings as well. But uh, I, we could call this our summer of suffering, if you will. And maybe it has been a summer of suffering for you. Maybe it hasn't. Um, weather-wise, I know in southern Iowa last night we, we got some much-needed rain, but it's been a, a dry summer and a summer of suffering for a lot of the, the, the grass and the crops and different gardens especially. Um, but wrapping up our series on suffering today, in James chapter 1, uh, we are going to be looking at an odd response to suffering. If you, if you are uh, like most people, even when you heard that we, are going, we were going to begin a series on suffering, you probably were not thinking, yes, a series that we're going to devote on suffering. This is, go- oh man, this is going to be so good. Um, you may have thought a little bit like, oh boy, a series on suffering. I don't really want to hear about suffering, of, of what that means in my life. I don't want to think about suffering. I just kind of want to out of sight, out of mind. And sometimes it's like that when you hear of suffering. I know the first time that uh, Becky McDonald from Women at Risk came to our church and shared uh, with us about the suffering of human trafficking going on in the world. My initial response was, I don't, I don't want to think about this. I don't, want to, I don't want to think about this suffering going on all over the world as I'm sitting here. But then, I, then God works in you and, well, just because you stick your head in the sand doesn't mean that the suffering around you will go away. And maybe your response was like that to a series on suffering you thought, I don't want to think about the suffering. Or maybe you even had the thought, if we're going through a series on suffering, what's God going to bring in my life to help me learn these lessons on suffering? And I, don't, I definitely don't want to think about that. We, even as Christians, many times have a view of life that our goal in life is ease, comfort, safety, blessing, And we want that for ourselves, obviously. We want that for almost everyone we know. There might be a few people that we wouldn't mind to see them 
eh, it might be good for them to suffer a little. Maybe we would never say that out loud, but deep down, I know I'm not the only one that's thought that, that uh, it might be good for that person to suffer a little, to think about some of the things that they've done. But our goal in life is, is ease and comfort and what have we heard the last, I don't know how many years, but safety, 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 right? Um, I don't know how many times I've heard, well, this, this, this vehicle is uh, four years old, so it's no longer safe to drive. You know, things like of that nature of making excuses why I need to buy something new and better. This is, I need to buy this because this is no longer safe, what people have deemed safe. But what we see in Scripture is not that God wants you and I to live a life of ease and comfort and safety. Not that those things are wrong in and of themselves, but if that is our our goal in life is to avoid all discomfort, to avoid all suffering or trials, then that is not God's will for us. And we've seen that through our series on suffering. So we see an odd response, though, here in James chapter 1. And look in verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you fall into various trials. When trials come into your life, count it all joy. Now, is that your initial response when you are facing a trial? To count it joy. I'm going to count it all joy when I face a trial or when suffering of some point comes into my mind or into my life. Now, this is not saying that we are, we are just to ignore all natural um, emotions to suffering and trials that come in. But we, as believers should be able to look at our trials that we are facing from a godly or biblical perspective. And we should see that all trials, uh, that we should expect trials in this life and not be surprised by them. Expect trials in life and not be surprised by them. Now, James is not saying that we should go through life expecting everything just to fall apart and just kind of this negative yeah i knew that was going to go wrong and yep i'm not surprised that that broke down and this no he's not saying that we should just have a negative outlook on life that's why he says to count it all joy but we should not be blown out of the water when god brings trials into our life so he says don't that we ought to expect trials and not be surprised by them james does not say If trials come in, God brings trials into your life, but count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So it's a it's a matter of time of when God brings trials and temptation and when God brings trials and suffering into our life, because he has a much bigger purpose than our ease and comfort in this life. So expect them. Don't be surprised. If you, if you expect to live your life and never have anything, any trial happen, never any suffering in your life, uh, have you ever met anyone that has never had anything difficult ever happen in their entire life? Nope. 
if, if not to us personally yet, we at least know someone that we are close to, which then uh, maybe a family member, uh, a loved one, that, that we, we feel their pain and their, their suffering in that trial. And our goal, as I said, is not to go through life without experiencing any, any pain. Now, even as I say that, nobody signs up to say, hey, bring some suffering in my life. Yeah, I, I. God knows we are, we are naturally inclined to avoid suffering. And that's why, that's why out of his love, he many times brings that in. So expect some trials to come your way and count it joy when they do. But he, um, James is not saying that we have to deny all emotions and uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't be sad you shouldn't weep you shouldn't cry when trials come into your life that you should just be constantly happy and filled with joy if we look in John chapter 11 and and the shortest verse in the Bible uh, the easiest verse to memorize John 11:35 where it says that Jesus wept you, in that passage when when Lazarus had died, Jesus knew full well what he was going to do in bringing Lazarus back from the dead. But yet we see the emotion of the loved ones of Lazarus as they are weeping the loss of their of their loved one and saying, Jesus, if you had come sooner, you could have you could have prevented this from happening. And we see Jesus does not reprimand them for why are you crying? Uh, Why aren't you just trusting me? No. We see that that emotion, that, that weeping over, over the loss of a loved one in the midst of a trial and suffering, that, that it says that Jesus wept there in John 11. But then in Romans chapter 12, we read that we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to take part in, in the suffering of, of loved ones as, we, as you see them weeping. It's not of, hey, just count it all joy. Uh, look on the bright side. No, it's, we are not to deny the emotions that God has placed within us, uh, those of suffering, but we are counting it all joy even in the midst of trial. So this, this counting it all joy, we have to acknowledge, is not a natural attitude that comes from you and I. It is not something just by nature that we just come... We come up with that we count it all joy. Um, if it were, we would see it everywhere around us. But it is not a natural response to trials that come in your life. Uh, being able to have joy in trials is seeing God's hand at work in the midst of everything. So it is seeing God at work in the midst of all situations. So this is not something, even from a young age, when uh, maybe when a, a test is brought on in the midst of school by, by a teacher. Okay, I'm going to, a surprise test today. How many students are counting it all joy that there is a testing of their knowledge? Probably not very many, right? Um, and this testing of our faith that James is talking about, we are, it is not a natural response that we have. But as we look to have godly wisdom, then we see God's hand at work in it, and we can acknowledge, hey, although naturally I'm not inclined to rejoice in this, I know that God has a bigger picture, a bigger work at mind. 
So um, in James, here in verse 3, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So it's looking to this idea that God is at work in our lives. So how I respond to trials is my choice. And James 3 says that the testing of my faith, knowing the testing of my faith produces patience, but he says, but let patience have its perfect work. Who in here likes to be tested? Anybody like to be tested? Maybe it's a testing in school, or maybe it's a, you claim to have a certain knowledge, and somebody that you meet is, is testing your, your knowledge, or maybe they're testing your patience. We say, oh, that person really tests my patience. We don't like to be tested. We don't like to be, we don't like to be proved, if you will. And so James says that the trials that God brings into our life are a testing of our faith. Um, how many of you, when you uh, maybe are testing out a car, maybe you get a new car for the first time, and you just need to test out the engine just to make sure that maybe what they claim about it is accurate. Maybe the horsepower, maybe the miles per gallon of like, they claim that this is how many miles per gallon that you can get. But I'm going to test this out, one, so I can see for myself, because I want to verify that this is true. But then I want to test this to see, okay, they claim this gets 22 miles to the gallon. I wonder if I can get 24 miles to the gallon, right? I want to see if I can, I want to see if I can test this out. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe you've seen those commercials for Flex Seal, I think is what it's called. Have you seen those commercials where the water's gushing out of the tank? And they just, he takes that piece of Flex Seal tape and just slaps it on there. No more leaks, right? So uh, my neighbor recently was trying to haul some water to cows and had a, had a leak in, in the tank. And so he thought, I'm going to try. I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to try this Flex Seal tape. I mean, you've seen the ads. You know how it works. You just slap it on there, seals it right up. You're good to go. So he took that Flex Seal tape, and he said he put, just to be safe, to, you know, to, to prove this tape or to test this tape, I'm going to go above and beyond, and I'm going to put multiple layers. So he said he made sure it was dry, you know, everything that they... He didn't even let the water gushing out slap it up. No. He made sure the tank was dry. He put multiple layers. He even crossed them to... He was going to be certain, because he didn't want to have to do this again. Do you think it helped? No. Maybe you had experience with with the tape, too. So then he thought, okay, that didn't work. I guess they sell, I think it's a, like a flex seal, like the paint, like the spray-on adhesive. So I'm going to put the tape down and that, surely between the two products, you know, I mean, they, have, they claim some pretty important things. Surely this will hold the water. Nope. Once again, filled it up, and within moments, he said, water began leaking out of it. No, he was, he was testing what they claimed to be true. And maybe you've had some of those same tests in your life that you discovered, ah, that infomercial, yeah, they weren't, they weren't honest. He was testing what they claimed to be true. College football just began a few weeks ago, and before the season began, everybody, each team has predictions, right, of 
and goals. The team has goals. And then the fans have high goals for this team. And, boy, we, this team, I've, I've heard the defense is going to be really good this year, and they've done this with the offense. And each team has what they think is going to happen, what they hope will happen. But once the season starts is when that team is tested or proved. You can talk all you want. You can say we're the best team in college football. But until those games are played and your claims have been tested, you can say whatever you want, but it is not true. And James says that the trials that come into our life are a testing that takes place, a testing of our faith. We may say, yes, God, I believe in you. I will follow you. We may be like, we may be like Peter. I will never deny you. But when that testing comes of our faith, what will it reveal about our faith in God? It's easy to say we trust him, but when tested, what do the results show? So through trials, God is bringing about good. So James 1, count it all joy. And then we see that through trials... Through testing, God is bringing about good. God is over all trials and suffering. He is sovereign. The life of Joseph is a perfect example of this. You look at Joseph's life of favored by his, well, we won't even get into his family history of his dad's history because you talk about a mess that that was. His life, favored by his dad, hated by his brothers, Out of their kindness of their heart, his brothers didn't kill him. They instead sold him into slavery. Here's Joseph as a young man taken away from his family, a slave. And his life looks like it's just suffering and trials, suffering and trials, suffering and trials. But yet through every step, when you read that, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Now, naturally, we look at that and we say, Man, what benefit is that to Joseph? We, we know the benefit, but we would like to think, man, if the Lord is with, then all he did was prosper and, and God multiplied his wealth and God multiplied her. But it says, then he was accused of this and locked in prison and the Lord was with Joseph. Well, we know the whole story, know how God was working in Joseph's life, preparing him for a certain time training him, and God had a purpose in the midst of all of his suffering. Now, in those moments, Joseph very could have easily said, what is the point of this? What, everything I try to do right, I try to live an honorable life, I get accused of something that I didn't do, and I locked in, get locked in prison. What's the point of trying to do right? But if he had given up in those moments, think what he would have missed out on later on of seeing how God worked through him. So it is in those trials and sufferings that God works about good. He is over all things. He is over everything that happens in our life. He is over the king of Whatever land he is over, it says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turns it. 
Do I trust that God is in control? And then we see that through trials, God's bringing about good, that God's testing in my life produces endurance. Has anyone here uh, ever run a triathlon? I'm just curious. Okay. Has anyone trained for a triathlon? That every day, right? Oh, Cal was chasing him. (laughs) I bet that was a pretty quick time you had too, wasn't it? So I was looking up an Ironman race, and here are the here are the requirements for an iron to complete complete and compete in an Ironman race. You have to swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and then run 26.22 miles. Now that's not, those are big numbers and those aren't like over, you get a month to do that. That's one right after the other, okay? So it's swim 2.4 miles, bike 112, and then run 26. How many of the athletes that compete in these races do you think go from sitting at home watching TV to the next day, hey, tomorrow I think I will compete in a triathlon or compete in an Ironman event. If anyone is foolish enough to do that, they probably will not complete the swim. If they happen to complete the swim, I doubt they'll get through the biking. My point in this is, when getting ready for a race or whatever it might be, the athletes have to work up their endurance. They don't start out by, by going, and I'm going to go, okay, I'll go uh, run 26 miles today. Yeah, I've only, been, I've only been walking around the block a couple times, but I'm going to go run 26 miles. Uh, one of my brothers, in getting ready for a soccer season one time, he hadn't been doing any running, but the soccer season was coming up. And uh, instead of going out and doing like a short run and seeing how he felt, no, he's like, I'm going to go out and run five miles. He takes off, and this was, this was at my, my parents' house. Uh, he takes off, and this is all on gravel, too, which makes it even better. And he's gone for quite a while. He finally makes it back, and I mean, he is just dying. And the next day, he was sore. And he did not have the endurance to go out and run five miles. He had not been working his way up to that. And if we went out and tried to compete in an Ironman event, we would not have the endurance to do that either. And it takes, it is a process of adding each day to what we are able to do. So if I'm walking a half mile, then I can push myself and I can walk a mile then, right? And physically, we understand this idea of of adding to our strength or our endurance. But spiritually speaking, what are we doing to add to our spiritual strength? What are we doing to grow and establish that muscle spiritually? One of the ways that we can do that is uh, by memorizing verses together, but by being in the Word of God. And James talks that the trials that God brings into our lives are to us, they are producing endurance in our life. They produce endurance by strengthening us in the Word of God. But then through trials, God is bringing about good. And then count it all joy by submitting to God. 
He says, let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When I read that, what comes to mind is that we ought to be vessels for God to use. That we ought to be vessels that God is able to able to use. Let patience have its perfect work. It is a choice that you and I make uh, how we respond to the trials that come into life. It's not, as we looked, it's not a matter of if trials come in. It's when they come into our life. How are we going to respond? And trusting God in everything that comes to mind. We are his work, the Bible tells us. We are a work in progress, and he will bring it to completion, but we are not at that completion yet. And so he is continuing to work in us, bringing about, helping us trust him more. So the more you know him, the more you will trust him. Our sign that we've had up here for a few years now of knowing God and making him known. It's hard for us to make him known if we don't know him very well. If we have a general idea of God of, oh yeah, I know a few things, but it's when we have tested and proved and know him that we can make him known in a greater way. And we know him through his word. So I just want to share a couple of things with you of finding hope in times of suffering. Finding hope in times of suffering. And we do that by looking at the promises of God. So when those trials come into our life, what are some of those promises of God that we can cling to? First of all, we know that he alone saves. He alone saves. First of all, he alone saves from sin and death. He alone is the Savior. In Romans 10, it says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sin has separated us from God. Sin, because of our rebellion against God, because we have disobeyed his laws and his commands, it has separated us from God because God is a holy and perfect God. He cannot be present with sin. And our sin has separated us from God, but because of God's great love for you and I, he has made a way that fellowship can once again be restored with him. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sin and mine. And there, that's why we can say today that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can know that you have your sins forgiven. You can know that you have a home in heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And because of that, you and I can have hope for the future, but also hope in times of suffering that God alone is the one who saves. But then we see in times of suffering, rely on the promises that God alone hears, that he hears our prayer. In Job 34 and verse 28, it says, so that they cause the cry of the poor to come to him, for he hears the cry of the afflicted. And in Hebrews 4 and verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So maybe you are going through a time of trial and suffering right now. Know that God hears your prayer. If you could, in the midst of that suffering, if you could go to anyone to try to find help, um, if you could go to any leader, anybody that you thought could help, you would do whatever you could to try to find resources in that time of need. Know that you 
have access, because of what Jesus Christ did, you have access at all times to go to the Father to find grace and help and mercy in your time of need. What a wonderful privilege that is. So in times of suffering, rely on the promise that God hears your prayer and he knows your needs. But then we also see the promise that he grants mercy. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, through, though the Lord's mer- through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. That's where that song comes from that we sang, great is thy faithfulness. God's mercies for you are new every morning, and he grants mercy to you. And then, number four, the promise of God, he delivers us from trouble. He delivers us from trouble. Psalm 37 and verse 40. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked because they tr- and save them because they trust in him. David often in the Psalms cried out to God for deliverance. And he was relying back to the promise that God hears his prayer and that God will help him in the midst of trouble. So maybe God is bringing trials in your life. Maybe you are going through a moment of, of suffering or trial or God is testing your faith. Know that God hears your prayers. Know that God knows your needs. And he is the one that can deliver from trouble. As James said, brethren, count it all joy. Knowing that because of God's great love for you and I, he brings trials into our life to help us learn patience, help us learn endurance, that we, he might complete the work that he has begun in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing, unfailing love. It is because of your love for us that you bring testing and trials into our lives. It is not because you are a harsh God or because you like to see us suffer, but Lord, you are a compassionate God full of mercy, and because of that, you bring these trials in to help us to draw near to you the only source of hope and help that we have. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true. I pray today that you would help us in responding to the trials of life, that it would cause us to run to you. That we would not run to other people first, or that we would not run to things, but that we would run to you and find the joy that James was talking about here. That we would count it joy, that we could see your plan in all things. Lord, I thank you for the example that you've given throughout throughout history of, of followers of you that have, in the midst of extreme trial have shown the fruit of the Spirit, have counted it all joy. And Lord, I thank you that this life that you have blessed us with, your word tells us it is but for a moment that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Lord, I thank you that we can look forward to the hope of heaven that we have, 
That one day all suffering and trials will be behind us. It, it will be no more. And we will be in your presence. Lord, what a wonderful day that that will be. Help us to remain faithful to you until you come again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.